Well, good morning, everybody. I, you, most of you have no idea who I am. It's great. Todd and I, like he said, has run together for so long that we don't know one family apart from the other. So we are in a position at the Tabernacle right now where I am I'm still there. I am the senior associate. My dad is obviously, he's 89 in a couple of weeks. Um, at, on September 9th, he'll be 89 years old, and he's still running hard, doing his thing. Um, but Bishop Robert Stearns, who was here not too terribly long ago, well, go, what, a year or so ago? Um, Pre-COVID, I lost a year. We all lost a year. Um, he was here. He is now the bishop of the tabernacle, and I'm a senior associate. I've been worship pastor for 30 years almost. And uh, so I know I'm only 37, but, you know. <laughs> I started young, uh, <laughs> but I'm actually here in Orlando because my daughter, who's 19, is, uh, I'm setting her up in Orlando. She is going to Jesus Image to Jesus School uh, this fall, so I will be here a lot because I'm completely codependent on my daughter. My husband, my husband and I are coming down. We have a younger daughter, too, who's 17, so it's just crazy. I'm like, I, I, I said the other day to one of my friends, I go, I think I blinked. Like, I think I blinked. What happened? Everybody tells you, don't blink, Mom, right? Don't blink, Dad. And we're leaving, we're, we're sitting there, we're getting in the car, she has a little Civic, so my husband didn't come down with us this time, um, because there would have been four of us in a Civic, that wasn't going to happen. And um, he was trying to say goodbye to her and tell her how much he believed in her, and he's blubbering like a baby, he's like, you know, the big tough guy, and I'm like, stop it, I can't take this emotion, it's too much. But I am here beyond that, I am definitely here on assignment, and it, it's just been such a privilege. Um, you know, the Bemis family and the Reed family... Um, it's covenant, and it's, it's a different level of relationship. And you, we could totally offend each other and bug each other and, lo- and still love and walk in covenant. We could just about do or say anything because we know the real thing beneath the surface of, of stuff. And I can only function by that level of relationship. I, I've been hurt too much to, to not do that anymore. You know, I have to walk in covenant, and now I have the privilege of meeting your pastor here, and I believe this is a long-term relationship, so you might just see me in and out on the front row worshiping with you guys on Sunday morning, and then I'll be at Jesus Image at night. Why don't we all go down there tonight? You want to just go? I'll go down there tonight. It'll be fun. And uh, it's just great because we run also with Michael and Jess and Jesus Image. They, my dad dedicated Jessica Gulianos um, as a baby and um, was one of the first people to have Benny Hinn in, in, uh, in the U.S. So it's just, it's a lot. But let's talk about what the Lord wants to say today, okay? Amen. Because I really feel like I have, have a word for you this morning. There is a sound. I want you to write that down if you're taking notes. There is a sound. Boy, you're waiting for more than that, aren't you? There is a sound. There is a sound that has been echoing since creation was formed. Let there be light. Sound goes on forever. So that very word of creation from the creator is still reverberating in the atmosphere because sound is vibration and it carries on and it's still accomplishing the let there be. That's why there's still new galaxies being formed. It's traveling and it's still creating and expanding and enlarging our universe. There is sound that goes on forever. And when it joins another frequency, it keeps getting more amplified and more amplified and more amplified. Sound not only is carried through molecules and matter, but it disrupts it as well. Sound is one of the most powerful forces in the universe. 
Somebody can sing a very high note and it can crack glass. You can sing a very low note and it, it does something inside of you. You know, you ever sat by a subwoofer in a, in a worship service or in a concert, right? You just inside of you, you know? There are sounds. I was, I was talking to a, a person at the altar after the last service and I was talking, there's a, a friend of Bishop Roberts, his name is Michael Tyrell. He's kind of a crazy guy. He's a total artsy crazy guy. He's a guitar player, classical guitar player. He's written a book called Whole Tones, and he wrote, a, he recorded this whole CD series based on frequencies. He would tune his guitar to a certain frequency, and he would go in the studio and just play with these other musicians just around that frequency. Found out it's connected to the biblical tones under Davidic under the Davidic time in David's tabernacle. And it's actually being used all over the world in sound healing clinics. So it goes in, they, people go in with conditions, terminal conditions, and certain frequencies actually heal the body. It's a medical thing. It's true. Look it up. And it's a great book, if you're, by the way. It's called Whole Tones, just a little itty-bitty book. It's, it's crazy because artists are nuts, but I, I know because I am one. And there's, there's this... There's, a, there's something about sound that not only carries and creates, but it heals and it restores. Yeah. In Scripture, it began with a sound. Sound was heard when God was walking through the garden. Sound was heard when the floodwaters filled the earth and when they receded. Sound was heard through Moses when he declared to Pharaoh, let my people go. There was the sound of the parting of the sea and the Egyptian armies being swallowed up as the, arm, as the waters came back. There was the sound that hit the walls of Jericho and caused them to come down. There was the sound of the armies advancing. There was the sound of worship that was sent in front of the battle in Chronicles. The worshipers go to the edge of the cliff and they begin to release their sound of worship and it confuses the enemy and causes them to slaughter themselves. There is the sound of Hannah's prayers and her cries in the temple that birthed Samuel. There was the sound of David's worship that was simply crazy. There was the sound of the prophets, the sound of the prophetic utterances that led us to the sound of the angels announcing the birth of Christ. There was the sound of Mary's birthing cries. There was the sound that arrested Paul on the road to Damascus. And there's the sound of the angels and the elders and the living creatures around the sea of glass, worshiping the one who's seated upon the throne as all of be heaven, heaven beholds the Lamb of God. There's the sound of the lion of the tribe of Judah. Scripture from cover to cover is filled with sound. I was studying last night and just kind of reviewing some bits and pieces that I was putting together from all different sources of notes and teachings over the years to bring to you this morning. And I realized I'm just going through my paper Bible and I'm like, oh my goodness, every page of Scripture, there's a sound. Sound is resounding inside of your body right now. Sound is holding all matters. Sound is what is out there. But there is a difference between a sound and a noise. And I want to take it a little step further than that. There's a difference between a sound and a song. Do you ever notice how you can go into different churches and they could be singing the same song? 
go from church to church. Let's use probably the most popular song in our, on our generation is How Great Is Our God, right? Everybody does it. The Catholic churches do it. The Baptist churches do it. You know, from the fundamentalists to the crazy Pentecostals, of which I am definitely one, we, we all sing this song, but in one environment, it's a song, and in another, it carries a sound. What's the difference? See, a sound is what the world needs right now. The world culture is filled with noise. That's what characterizes what's happening in the world today. It's noise. But the kingdom carries a sound. There is a sound of the kingdom that we're after. Acts chapter 2, they're all gathered in unity in the upper room. In the Message Bible, it says, when the Feast of Pentecost had come, they were all gathered in one place. And without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind, gale force. No one could tell where it came from. It filled the whole building. And it goes on to say, then like wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks and they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. There were Jews staying in Jerusalem just then, devout pilgrims from all over the world. And when they heard the sound, they came on the run, it says. And when they heard one after another their own mother tongues being spoken, they were thunderstruck. There is a sound of the kingdom that causes the world to be thunderstruck. There is a sound of the kingdom that breaks through the noise of culture. There is a sound of the kingdom that confuses darkness and that shapes nations. There is a sound of kingdom that unifies heaven and earth. I'm after that sound. Do you understand that this morning there is a sound that can come forth from this house? That can go all the way to the underground church in China and infuse life into those believers. There's a sound of the kingdom that can go all the way into Afghanistan to those people that put their babies up to American soldiers to get them out of what was about to happen. There is a sound that can reach those people and bring healing to those people. There's a sound that can go into the Taliban's camp and confuse their plans. That can come forth from this house. So when you sing, you're not just singing a song that you like or perhaps dislike. Trust me, I'm a worship pastor. I've heard it all. I hate that song. That's my favorite song. And it's the same song, right? Everybody's, everybody's like, oh, they did my song this morning. It's not about your song. When you sing, when you give voice, it doesn't even have to contain a lyric. It can just be a whoa, and it contains a sound. It contains a sound that can do all of that, can go across the world in an instant. It can create things. It can confuse things. It can disrupt things. It can break things. It can heal things. It can deliver things. There is a sound. And it's a sound that's going to shift a nation. And it can come right from the ground that you're sitting on today. There is a sound. And the sound of the kingdom is characterized by worship. Every frequency that is uttered through a song of worship, through a lifestyle of worship, every frequency is a waveform of the sound of the kingdom. Do you know that your lifestyle can put forth a sound? That's why they call it a vibe when people walk in the room. Right? It's a vibe chick's got a vibe when she walks in the room. That dude's got a vibe when he walks in the room. It's a vibration that they give off, right? 
I want to carry a vibration of the kingdom of God. That my lifestyle, the choices I make, how I function, how I greet people, how I love people, should carry a sound. A sound that transcends me, that transcends my abilities, it transcends my limitations, it transcends time and space and place, and it resounds. Do you know the prayers that the, the woman I was named after, Amy Simple McPherson, her prayers, her presence is still carrying a sound. It's like a mantle that a generation should be waiting to pick up. Her predecessor, one of her heroes, Mariah Woodworth Utter, she's still carrying a sound. They've been long gone. They're still carrying a sound. The prophets of the old are still carrying a sound. That's why prophecy from the Bible still speaks today. Because it carried a sound. It's beyond the words. It's beyond the social political. I'm getting my master's in theology again now. Why I waited this long, I don't know. But it happened. My kids are older now. I'm able to. So I'm working on that right now. And we're going through all the social political context and all the stuff behind the scripture. But the sound transcends all of that. That helps you understand. It helps you not misinterpret scripture. It helps you put it into context, understand original audience and what the intention of the author was. But the sound of scripture transcends all of that. So the sound of Isaiah is still coming forth in this atmosphere. Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord rise. It is still a sound that's being heard. It's being heard in China right now. Those believers that met was that, that would have been yesterday. We're ahead, right? Those believers that would have met in the underground church, fear of their life. But the sound of Isaiah still rings a lie. Rise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord rises upon you. Because it's a sound. It carries a sound. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'm going to kind of take apart, bring a few points about sound based on Psalm 29. And apparently this scripture has been recurring around here lately. I didn't know that. <laughs> and uh, we're going to go through this. I'm going to read it quickly out of the New King James Version. And then I'm going to pull out a few phrases out of the Message Bible that, are just, that really speak this morning. So Psalm 29, it's a Psalm of David. So again, here's a sound that was carried by one of the leading psalmists that was ever in existence. Give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And here comes the sound. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord splinters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes them also skip like a calf. Lebanon and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the Deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple, everyone says glory. The Lord sat enthroned at the flood. And the Lord sits as king forever. The Lord will give strength to his people. And the Lord will bless his people with peace. What I want you to notice predominantly in this passage, there's so many layers to this. But notice the interplay between the worship of the people and the voice of the Lord. The worship of the people comes back and the voice of the Lord and the blessing of the Lord 
his strength and his peace comes upon the people. There is a sound interplay with the people's worship in the temple, crying glory, and the voice of the Lord shaking and shaping nations, shaking and shaping the landscape. See, when your voice, your sound of worship meets the voice of the Lord, it's two frequencies colliding and becoming one, and it shakes the land. The land must respond. There is a sound of kingdom worship this culture desperately needs. In the New Testament, we talk all through the scriptures about the earth groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. And there's so many layers again to what that means. But the earth is groaning for the predominant quality of the sons of God. It's the sound of the kingdom inside of them. It's the sound that they carry. God is not just calling you to a good Christian life. He's not just calling you to moral character or good ethics in your business. He's calling you to bring a sound to the earth. What sound does your business carry? What sound does your ministry carry? What sound does the way you love a neighbor carry? Because the sound is what shapes the nation. The sound is what the earth must respond to. The sound is what the heart will align to. I was thinking about this between services. I remember when, oh, I'm going to get teary because it's an emotional season for me. I remember when my, my daughter was born, I was told I couldn't have kids. Like we, we couldn't. We went all the testing and all the stuff. It was like eight years. And then there she was after a period of hell. There she was. It was just a long story. Some of you that were from the tab know my story. It's a lot. But I remember holding her as an infant and of course, sobbing, like I'm about to right now because now she's 19 and leaving me. But I'm holding her. But I remember the skin-to-skin contact, and our heartbeats would actually align. Like they would start beating in unison. And those, of, those mamas in the room probably, if you thought about it from that, there's probably a science behind it. Never really thought about it. But in between services, I was like, whoa. And then I walked in and saw Pastor Otis holding his, grand, his grandchild. I was like, yes. There was something that happened between the intimacy between me and my daughter that called even our hearts to begin to beat in the same rhythm. You see, there is a sound. It's a. It's it's a. It's a. It it actually has a physicality to it, but it's a spiritual sound that causes us to beat with the heartbeat of God, that causes us to align to it. If you were to look at Psalm 29 from a couple different versions, one of the versions in the NIV says, in the first verse, it says, ascribe to the Lord. He uses this great word. It's a good Old Testament word. I, was, I remember an old song we used to sing in like six different key changes we used to do. To thee we ascribe glory. Remember that one, Todd? It, it only had like three lines to the song, so we just kept, had to keep changing keys to make it sound good. But it, it was... It, <laughs> To thee we ascribe glory. It's kind of a lost word in our culture today. The word ascribe, if you were to like phonetically take it apart, it's a scribe. And I think about the Old Testament scribes and the New Testament scribes, the role they played in transcribing scripture. We have this picture of, of the authors of scripture sitting down with their feather pens and ink and writing scripture. It's not how it happened. A lot of it was handed by, down by oral tradition. A lot of it was done by, under the authorship of, say, Moses, but he, he wasn't sitting there necessarily with a, a pen and a, a scroll, right? It was handed down. It was orally dictated. It was whatever. And 
Cool fun fact, um, you find out today we have evidence that a lot of the scribes in the New Testament that Paul worked with were women. And they, they, they transcribed scripture, they wrote it down, and then they would go into the different churches and actually read it aloud. So be careful when you say women keep silent in the church because Paul had them preaching all over the church. So, you know, figure that out. But there's, there's scribes were played a powerful role. You're holding scripture today because of a scribe, right? Now, there were the scribes and the Pharisees. I understand all that, but it was a powerful role because it took what was verbal, what was out there and being spoken and being able to transmit it thousands of years later. It's a powerful role. It was a heavy role of responsibility, even down to the fact that you can go, when you go to Israel, you can go into the different caves where people would sit, and that's their job their entire life, is to scribe scripture. They, you can actually see people still doing it today. They actually keep writing scripture. They're copyists. They keep writing. And it's, it's been said that when they would scribe the scripture, if they made one mistake, one scroop, they would throw it all out, start from the beginning again. How would you like that job? You know, scribes are a very powerful role. They take what is ethereal, what's out there, what's being spoken, and put it to paper to be transmitted. So the very word in the Hebrew carries weight. It's a deliberate act. It's to give, to, pro- to provide, to set something in place, to permit, to come close. In the Webster's Dictionary, it also uses the definition um, impute. We heard, we've heard the term imputed righteousness, right, from the New Testament, that we're actually made righteous. Our very character is reformed because of Calvary. We are actually made righteous. You can't earn that. You can't become that by doing all the right things. You have righteousness imputed to you. It's, different. it's, it's a whole mindset that we have to come into and we live out of a place of victory because imputed righteousness is ours, and we walk out of that place. So a scribe is the Old Testament version of imputation. It's coming in. It's being written upon us. So in Deuteronomy, there's this scripture in chapter 32, verse 3, that shows a distinction between this word ascribe and the word proclaim. So think about the word proclaim. Proclaim is something we do in worship all the time. Think about our songs of worship. We proclaim things about God. We proclaim the names of God, the character, the qualities of God. We say he's healer, he's deliverer. Um, we've sang many of them this morning. We, um, there's songs that list the names of God, you know. Um, th- we proclaim things We love about God, we believe about God, the things we have faith, trust in, we proclaim scripture. Proclaiming is great, but it's not the end in itself. Ascribing is another level. Ascribing in essence, this is how I like to describe it. So it takes what we proclaim about God and writes it on our life. It takes something from out there that you have faith in that's way out there, and it writes it upon your life. It transforms you. It changes your character. It's like, it's like those old stamps, the signet ring, right? It puts the seal of the king on you. It imprints it upon your life. So you can sing the song, or you can become the song. You can say he is savior or you can experience his salvation. There are those of you this morning that need Jesus as your savior. You can acknowledge that he heals or you can experience and receive his healing. You can understand that he delivers or you can experience that deliverance and freedom for yourself. 
You can understand that he sits on the throne or you can rise and be seated with him in heavenly places. See, ascribing is taking it beyond your belief and writing it and becoming it. It's kind of the difference between praise and worship. Worship is where you become the praise that you're giving to him. It's just a transition. And that's what God's calling you into today. To transition from proclaiming to ascribing God the glory to his name. Ascribing God. What is the glory of God? The glory do his name. What does the New Testament say? Christ in you is the hope of glory. It's when Christ becomes alive in you and becomes written on your life. That's the hope of all glory. Him being ascribed on your life. See, we are called to move from proclamation to ascribing. Somewhere in the midst of proclaiming his lordship, he must become your lord. It has to transition. Somewhere in the midst of singing songs like, I have a few written down here, see if I can do it. Savior, he can move the mountains. Then he, difference between singing that and him actually showing up and moving the darn mountain. Right? I believe you're my healer. It's when God goes beyond you singing about it to actually healing you. And hey, that generational curse that's been on your life, by the way, I just healed that. I just broke that thing off your family. There's a difference between waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. There's a difference between singing that and actually walking from a place of being, coming, the light in the darkness, to the place where he delivers you from addiction, from the place where he delivers you from depression and oppression. There is a place that he makes a way for you where there is no other way. Do you want to just sing the song, or do you want to become the song? Somewhere in the midst of singing, Worthy is the Lamb seated on the throne somewhere in the midst of singing that you actually begin to behold the lamb God wants to transition this house to where it's not just a few but it is the whole that realize that you are called to carry a sound you are called to become a sound so that when you walk out of these doors you carry it into every field that you go to Every place you set your feet then becomes holy ground. We're conduits of the kingdom. And we're called to carry the sound of the kingdom. Three points from this passage. First of all, if you take a look at the first couple verses, or verses 3 through 9, you're going to see the expression, the voice of the Lord. It's used seven times in the passage. It's applied to the storm. It's applied to the thunder. First, the storm is over the Mediterranean. Look at the landscape of this passage. There's so much good geography in here. But it moves inward into Lebanon. And then it reverberates across the, uh, the waters like a sound of an advancing army. It's the sound of power and of majesty. His, earth, his voice shakes the earth. It makes kingdom disturbances. You see, our worship has that inside of it. It can cause 
kingdom disturbances. It carries a pro- prophetic nature that when the voice of the Lord speaks and our worship aligns with it, it amplifies that sound and it carries that declaration of prophecy into the world. And it's, this, it's quite a mystery because you can, in a small room that's like this, with no windows open, no you know, skylight, you can carry a sound, you can release a sound that can shape Washington, D.C. You can carry a sound that disrupts ISIS. You can carry a sound that ministers healing to missionaries hiding in Afghanistan right now. You have to understand that it's not about you. It affects you. It heals you. It restores you. It changes your family. But it's not about you. It's about the kingdom and what it carries. So a sound sends forth declarations. A kingdom sound causes a breaking. There's this grand scene in Psalm 29 in verses 5 through 8. You see the mountains of Lebanon are being bombarded. Tall cedars go crashing to the ground. The uh, Message Bible says in lightning assault. It's like this incredible visual, visual it brings. The wind passes over the forest and it's in violent gusts and the trees begin to bend with the rhythm of the wind. A lightning streak is sounding and streaking southward. The wilderness of Kadesh is shaken by this like ferocity of the voice of the Lord. It's the potential of sound as that it actually causes cedars that are huge, huge cedars to crash and crack and break to the ground. See, a sound of the kingdom has that inside of it. It causes a breaking in the atmosphere. Just as certain pitches cause disturbances, cracking of glass, all of those things. When our worship releases the sound of heaven, it causes a breaking in the atmosphere. You can permanently disturb darkness with kingdom worship. Permanently disturb. It's not just a temporary relief. Permanently disturb. We are used to singing to feel better. I don't know anything else. If I was to take a minute and give you testimony, which I'm not really going to do this morning, but all I know is worship. It's all I know. I would try and rebel. And of course, my mother is the fourth member of the Trinity. So she would show up like Maleficent. She would show up, you know. I think she had horns and everything. I'm pretty convinced. But I, I would try and I couldn't do it. But I remember those times when I was hurt and betrayed and misjudged. I mean, just stuff. Stuff that I walked through with that front row. The stuff that I went through. All I knew to do was to go home and to worship. That's all I knew. Because in that place was healing. In that place, I was able to discern that that might be the church, but it's not Jesus. That might be Christians, but it's not Jesus. So I'm still here today because I discovered a sound when I was six years old. There's a place in where it's the only place you can discern it sometimes because sometimes Christians have all their little Bible verses lined up. They got all their little things justified. They got all their interpretations and all their moralities and all their self-righteousness. But it doesn't carry any kind of sound and it still murders people. And people mistake that for Jesus. But when you know him, 
in worship, you know that's not him. And you can keep going. I found him in the, I don't know anything else, but some of you don't know what this is. You don't know that the best place for you to run is on your face. You don't know that the best way for you to get healed is not 82 sessions with a counselor. I'm not against that. But 82 sessions with a counselor. But it's get some face time before the Lord. Be in his presence. Find him. Let his sound heal you. Let his sound reverberate through you. Let him walking through the garden of your life create a sound that brings healing. But it's not the be all end all. It begins there. And it causes a change in the the atmosphere it breaks the atmosphere and the final point that i have is the sound of the kingdom takes dominion of the atmosphere so it declares it breaks and it takes dominion verses 10 and 11 of this passage show god coming in as king over the flood the amplified says he's king over the deluge i love that and the lord gives strength to his people. The Amplified says unyielding and impenetrable strength to his people. And he blesses his people with peace. See, the difference between the sound of the kingdom and the noise of culture has that as its result. The sound produces peace. Noise produces chaos. So in closing, let's just talk briefly about the difference between noise and sound. Give me five more minutes. Noise and sound. What you hear around you. You turn on CNN, even Fox, whatever side of the aisle you're on. Either one, you hear noise, 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 noise. And unfortunately, it's echoed anywhere you want to go. I cannot scroll Facebook anymore. Because it's just noise, noise, noise. It's coming from news sources and it's coming from my friends and our church people and our friends all over the country contributing to the noise in the name of the kingdom. But it's just more noise. But the sound of the kingdom doesn't sound like that. The sound of the kingdom unifies, like Acts chapter chapter 2. Noise divides. So anything that brings division, it's just noise. Sound confuses darkness. Well, noise feeds it. It feeds darkness. It perpetuates. You can feed darkness with the Bible. That's going to offend a lot of you. But when you misuse it, and when you try and propagate your own agenda, you're no different than Nazi Germany because they used it too. The sound confuses darkness where a noise feeds it. The sound creates life where noise creates chaos. A sound carries. You ever look on, if you've ever been in an audio studio, I've done a lot of this over the years, and I love seeing a beautiful unified sound. When you have vocals singing in harmony, it fills the the bars of the different tracks, and it's just this beautiful waveform, and you can see where things align. You're able to align. If the the drummer plays a little off here or a little off there, you can actually slide it over so it lines up. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful wave. But if you were to get noise through like a chord, like a chord has a problem or something, it doesn't show up like a waveform. It shows up like dots on the screen. And that, to me, is the difference between sound and noise. See, the sound is, of the kingdom is full. It carries. It, it, it perpetuates itself. Noise is just little disturbances that drop off and are gone. They fade. 
So while the sound carries, noise fades. That's why the news media have to, has to keep regenerating controversy. Because it hits and it's gone. It hits and it's gone. It hits and it's gone. So they're going to keep digging up stuff on people until they can generate enough noise to destroy people. So that's how they function on both sides of the aisle. Noise, 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 noise. The sound is full where noise is empty. One of my best friends, uh, her name's Delia. She preaches a message for years. She's preached this message and she's Puerto Rican from the west side of Buffalo. So she, she always talks about canned goods in her message. I was just, she cracks me up. And she talks about how the empty can makes the loudest noise. And those of you that used a lot of canned goods growing up would know what I'm talking about. Because if you have a can of tomato soup and you throw it across the floor, you hardly hear it. Because it's full. But if it's empty, you throw it across the floor and it's like clank, 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 clank. And that's the difference between sound and noise. The noise is the empty can making a lot of rattle. But the sound is the full can. It contains something. Sound joins heaven and earth where noise distracts and creates a barrier. The sound declares where noise shouts opinion. Why? Because the sound contains truth. Noise might contain some facts here and there, but it ain't truth. Truth always supersedes fact. I'm going to minister to somebody about that right now. You might have gotten a doctor's report that contains some facts. Hey, there's a spot in that lung or there's a something here. But God's truth supersedes that. Factual information, you have to deal with it on an everyday basis. You have to deal with the bank account budget. You have to deal with the doctor's report. You have to deal with the educational results and the whatevers. But truth always supersedes it. It's the difference between sound and noise. And finally... The sound of heaven breaks the atmosphere where noise clouds the atmosphere. The sound takes dominion where noise conforms. I'm after the sound. Are you after the sound? We're called to lock frequencies with the heavenly sound, with the worship around the sea of glass, with the creative voice of God that still resounds from creation. We're called to lock frequencies with the voice of God as he is still speaking today. We are called to release a sound that he sings over us. He's singing his song over you right now. He's singing a song over churches all over America and the West right now. He's singing a song over nations of the world. He's singing songs over the globe right now. And we're called to lock frequencies with that sound. He is singing a song. This is the sound that triumphs over the noise and brings heaven to earth. The book of Revelation, which I understand you just finished your, your New Testament reading. Revelation 1.10 says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's do- day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like the sound of a trumpet. Verse 15, his voice was like the sound of many waters. Over and over again, you'll hear, he who has an ear, let him Revelation 4, 1 and 2, after these things I look and behold a door was standing before me, a door into heaven and the first voice which I heard like the sound of his trumpet was speaking, come up here and I will show you what must take place after these things. And he was in the spirit and all of a sudden he's in the throne room. Over and over again, Revelation speaks of the interplay between the sound of worship and the sound of the voice of God. They are to be amplifying one another. And finally in Revelation 19, 
he heard a voice of the sound of the great multitude. The sound of the multitude. And in verse 5 it says, Then I heard something like the voice of the great multitude and the sound of many waters, and like the sound of the mighty peals of thunder, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God the Almighty reigns. I, I have a worship mentor that is very, very close to me. Um, he's been a best friend of my husband and I, but he's also my worship mentor. His name's Bob Sorge, and he's actually from Buffalo. Out of He resides in Kansas City, so he's done a lot with IHOP over the years, but he's incredible. And he, he texted me right before COVID, and he was like, Amy, you're, this is your season. You have to release the sound of the people, the sound of the multitude. And then COVID hit. I was like, well, there goes the multitude, you know. And, but I was really, it, it just like inside of me. Because it's so easy as, as a longtime worship leader to resort to what you know. Resort to the stage and the teams that you have and the voices you have. And it becomes stage-driven worship. And the American church is very good at it. We're very good at stage-driven worship. And what he was pushing me for was multitudes. The sound of the multitudes. Unfortunately, the sound of the multitudes in the West and even beyond the West is noise. But we're called to raise up a remnant of a multitude that carries the sound of heaven. And that when we release our sound, it joins with the heaven sound, becomes amplified, and we shake the cedars of Lebanon. That the earth must respond to it. How do we address Washington, D.C.? How do we address the educational system that's crumbling? How do we address the fear, the healthcare system, the seven mountains of culture? How do we address the division? How do we address the politics, the one world government, the stuff that's emerging in our generation? How do we address this? With a sound. With a people that know the sound. And today, I want to release inside of you the hunger for the sound. May you hunger to go beyond what you know. May you hunger to go beyond what your experience. I sensed it in the room, at the, particularly at this service. There's a hunger in the room. Yeah. It's just in the room. It's, it's here. It's in the fabric of this, this property. There's a hunger in the room. But you got to get beyond hunger to apprehension, to apprehending the sound of heaven. And it's yours to release. It's yours to release.